3: Welcome along to Eurosport's very own snooker podcast, The Break, with me, Andy Goldstein. Yes, we are back just in time for the World Snooker Championship Qualifiers, and over the next few weeks, we'll be building up to the main event in Sheffield, following it right the way through to its conclusion. And as usual, you'll be able to download this and other episodes from your favorite podcast platforms. Joining me today are, would you believe, two of the very, very, very best snooker pundits in the world. And we've got them. Neil Foles and Jimmy White. Folesy, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm very good. Very good, mate. And the well with Jimmy White. We'll talk about your qualifier in just a moment. But how are you, Jimbo? I'm fantastic, Andy. I'm good, mate. You okay? I'm good. I'm very well. Folesy, I'm very excited. Of course, I am about the World Championships because it's just around the corner. How are you feeling? As a pundit, someone that used to play in it and, of course, got to the, the latter stages on numerous occasions. How do you feel when it's just around the corner?
0: Um, well, I'm excited, obviously. Um, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because it, it only took place like, eight months ago in uh, in August. So it, is, it does feel like it's come around again quite quickly uh, on the back of that. But um, th- this is the time of the year we all get excited with the World Championships on. You know, there's so much to think about, so many players who might win it. And uh, it's, I'm buzzing for it, basically. And it's going to be a lot of hard work, but a lot of fun.
3: Now, before we get onto the small matter of Jimmy's first round match on Monday against Stephen Hendry, live and exclusive on Eurosport.co.uk and, of course, the Eurosport app, I just want to get your thoughts on the form of the current top 16 heading into the Crucible. Who are your favourites at the moment, Jimmy?
2: Well, you know, you've got to make Neil Robertson favourite, the way he played in that last tournament. But we said this the last couple of years, going into the World Championships... He was definitely the man to beat, and he got beat by Higgins. And last year, he got beat by Mark Selby, quite convincingly. I think it was 13-7, something like that. So, you know, okay, in, on the form book, he looks like the man. And then you've got John Higgins, the way he played in the Masters, and then won an them tour championships. Um, you know, he looked unbeatable. But then you've got, you can never write Ronnie O'Sullivan off. And Mark Selby's won a couple of tournaments this year. But you would have to say on present form, you've got to say Neil Robertson, he's probably favourite.
3: Uh, Neil, let me ask you, Jimmy talks about form. How important is form going into the World Championships? Because Ronnie O'Sullivan, we know he's hit lots of form, getting into what, five ranking event finals this season, hasn't won one yet. But I wonder how much, if at
0: all, that counts for anything when you head into the World Championships. Well, I don't know. I mean, when John Higgins showed all that brilliant form winning the Players' Championship, he only lost a few frames the whole week. People were saying, you know, he's the man to beat in the World Championships. Now we've had Neil Robertson win. He's the man to beat. I personally think the World Championship is a bit of a law unto itself. Players have gone into it in great form before. I might be looking at players that have been a little bit quiet. You know I mean? Judd has been quiet. Judd Trump recently. He's going to win the World Championship again at some point, isn't he? Um, Ronnie, well, I mean, he's had the strangest, unlike O'Sullivan season, five finals. He's not used to losing in finals, but it's happened five times. So he's been annoyingly consistent. He's, he, you can't write him off. I've just got a sneaky feeling for Mark Allen. He's in a very bad section of the draw, but he has been frighteningly quiet for what is a terrific player. And he I just feel that he might be the kind of guy, get him through the first week and do a stupid being play, brilliant snooker the second week. He's good enough to win a world championship. I don't know what kind of form he's in. But I just want to look at players that have been a little bit quiet, a little bit under the radar, and, and I think he might go well. But whoever, whatever happens, you know, it, it is all about getting through the first couple of rounds, you know, and just getting better.
3: Yeah, and Jimmy, one of the great things about this, of course, the majority of the snooker season has been played at Milton Keynes. This one, obviously, thankfully, is back at the, the Crucible and with um, a test crowd as well. How important do you think that is for snooker, that they will now be playing in front of what I think um, a third four every single session.
2: Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think well, have done a great job. Um, you know, we've been doing the best with this COVID from the start, you know, for us new players to be able to go and play and earn a living. It's been fantastic. In the question before, I forgot to mention, you know, Trump getting beaten by Barry Hawkins in the last tournament, you know, that would have got his back up. Uh, he got beat quite convincingly there. He would you know, you've got to put him, I don't know if the bookmakers make Trump favourite, but he would want to go to Sheffield and play in front of the crowd for the first time as well. So I, I forgot to mention Trump, obviously, as one of the jollies.
3: OK, I'll put you both on the spot and then we'll see how your predictions go throughout the, the next few weeks during this podcast. But I'll ask you both to name a champion before ball's even been struck. So Neil, of course, exclude Jimmy from this because we know he's playing in the qualifiers. Who will be world champion after the
0: 17 days? If I had to pick one name, I'd go with Judd Trump. Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think he'll win it again at some point. It's, he's not going to be a one-time champion. And, you know, to win it once is brilliant. But he's going to, be, he's going to win it on a few occasions. And the fact that he's been quiet is in his favour. So I'll stick with Trump. Uh, his first round is normally a bit sticky. If he gets into the 25s, someone's going to have to beat him.
3: Okay, Jimmy, I'll ask you the same question. I know you're involved in it, so it's slightly different. But if it's not you, who's going to win the world championship? me <laughs> okay i hope you're right you know that i hope you're no, right No, listen
2: uh, you know you've got uh, i i like what neil said against mark allen he's just you, you know he is probably you know one of the players that you know when he's playing at top form you know when he won that champion of champions he just looked you know incredible and then he doesn't seem to be consistent enough over the 17 days honestly um I, I wouldn't like to, you know, there's, there's one of six. So I, I really wouldn't like to uh, stick my neck out because I haven't got a clue. All right. Okay.
3: Well, listen, on to the main event for this podcast on Monday night at 7.30. U, the whirlwind Jimmy White and Stephen Hendry are going to renew probably the game's greatest rivalry live and exclusive on Eurosport.co.uk and, of course, the Eurosport app. Now, before I chat with Jimmy and Neil about the match, let's hear from the seven-time snooker champion of the world about that mouth-watering matchup. He caught up with World Snooker after that draw was made.
4: Now it's had a chance to sink in. How are you feeling?
1: I'm actually really looking forward to it now. It's, um, it's kind of a dream draw, I think, now. Um, because we just know each other so well. We've got so much history. And it's probably the last time we'll probably ever play competitively. Uh, I know we are playing the seniors, but in a... In a in a, in a proper World Championship. You know, it's probably going to be the last ever time. So it's, um, it's something to savour and something to look forward to.
4: You mentioned the history there. Arguably, no snooker encounter has greater history than, than the clashes you've had. You have played in four very different finals against each other. Mm. Do you have a favourite one? What are your best memories?
1: My favourite one personally is 18.5 uh, or 18.4, whatever it was, because that whole championship, I felt I played some of my best snooker. And to finish a final, session early. It's something I'd seen, you know, Steve do. And it was something that was kind of, uh, that I wanted to do. Uh, It didn't matter who was in another seat, but it was something that I wanted to do to sort of prove my dominance in the game. So that one gives me uh, probably the best satisfaction in terms of performance. The one 17-17 is obviously one of the best clearances I've ever made in my career under pressure to win that final. Um, and obviously, 14-8 down to in 10 frames in a row, um, and then you go to the first one in '99, my first world title. So,
4: some, some amazing moments. Do you have any kind of regret that Jimmy has never won a world title? Oh, why would I?
1: It's nothing to do with me. Um, you know, it, it's 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 sport. You know what I mean? You know, you're not about cheering other people, and it's an individual sport. So. Okay, you know, he was my hero when I first started playing, when I was watching him against Steve Davis in the final and these matches, I wanted him to win because he was my hero. And I, I didn't. But once, I, once I'm a professional snooker player, no, it's not, it's not down to me. I mean, I, 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 I love Jimmy, I think he's a great guy. You couldn't meet a nicer guy, there's no one has a bad word to say about him. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all out there to try and win, and it's not my job to feel sorry or regret for anyone else. I just I, I need to look after my own performance.
4: Looking back, you, you always had great support, but obviously Jimmy's the people's champion. He generally had the Crucible on his side. Were you ever envious of that? Or did you sort of revel in it?
1: Uh, yeah, there was times when I like—I was, I was a little bit envious. Um, you know, there was times in finals where I used to walk out to booze and he had like 99% of the crowd with him. And it, it spurred me on. It, it obviously made me more determined to win. But, yeah, there's times when you think, oh, it'd be nice to be popular. <laughs> but um, that's, just, that's just the way it was. I mean, I'm sure if you asked Jimmy, he would swap that popularity for, for having a world title under his arm, swings and roundabouts. But um, it, it was just a fantastic atmosphere to play under. I mean, it was, it was you know, to walk, into the, walk through those curtains to like a wall of, wall of noise and to think that pretty much everyone's against you. It's quite a challenge.
4: And we know you've been practicing together. How have those sessions mm. been going?
1: Well, generally he's been taking me apart. Generally. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 he, I mean, Jimmy's obviously been in, he's he's he stayed on the tour when I've I've retired for nine years. So he's still got that competitive um sort of spark about him. Um but yeah, he's he's, he's been winning I've, I've I've taken a couple of sets, but more, more often than not, he's taken me apart. Um his his game is is, you know, uh, when we've been playing has been has been better than mine. Um but I think the slate will be wiped clean when we play in the, in the World Qualifier because it's a whole different scenario.
4: I'm sure it will. Final question: After smashing his dreams so many times in in all those finals over the years, how do you feel knowing that beating Jimmy this time could mean it's his last game on the tour?
1: It's it's a it's very um, difficult thing to think about. I think um, you know, obviously, lots of people are, are texting and, and sort of. Being jokey about it. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, both of us have got to go and try and win the match, you know, and and there's obviously going to be more pressure on Jimmy because of that situation. Um, It doesn't really, if I win or lose, it doesn't really change my situation, Um, you know, because next season I will play more events, but it won't be every event where Jimmy still plays in everything. So it's it's going to be a big thing for Jimmy. Um, And if I did do it, yeah, it would be a bittersweet. Moment, there's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, it's a snooker match and he's trying to beat me and I'll be trying to beat him.
3: All right, Jimmy, I think I'm, I'm right in saying that everyone who loves snooker was just blown away by this draw. What was your immediate reaction to it when you heard you had Stephen Hendry in the first round?
2: Well, it, it, bizarrely, I was practising and I finished playing and I got into my car to put my phone on and I got two missed calls from Stephen Hendry. Now, I know he's, he was away with folds in Celtic Manor, so I, I thought oh, that's a bit weird. And as my phone started to erupt with all these journalists and different names I know throughout the, the world of uh, sport were trying to get through to me. So I just rung Stephen Hendry thinking, well, maybe I've drawn him uh, because of the two missed calls from him. And when I, when I phoned him, he said, can you believe it? And I said, well, I can now. And uh, you know, obviously, there's easier draws for me and Stephen out there. But now we, you know, that, that day, immediately that we know we play each other, you know, it's just like another match for me. I'm, I'm fighting to stay on the tour. You know, my form is good. So whoever is in the chair, uh, it doesn't really make a lot of difference to me. You know, it's Stephen Hendry, so i just got to get on with trying to win the match.
3: Yeah. Faulty, um Stephen said it was a dream draw. I suppose for snooker fans, it is. But is it for either of those two? Would you like to have seen them kept apart or not?
0: Well, I don't know. I think I think it's a fascinating draw. You know, you wouldn't believe it until it happened. Um, look, one of those two guys is going to get through the next round, which is brilliant for the game. And uh, I don't know. I, I suppose Stephen's in a different position, really. I don't know that he's under the same pressures. And, you know, I know that Jimmy, for his actual tour card, has got to probably, probably get with another match or two. I don't know what will happen with those wild cards. We're getting into all that side of it. So I think that, in a way, Stephen is under less pressure in this game. But the, the best part about it is you just don't know how either of them are going to play. I mean, we have got one sort of small sample size of Stephen, and I thought he played quite well against Matt Selk, but he only won one frame in that match. So I think on his current match play, I know he's, we're speaking with Jimmy now, but I think Jimmy's right for because he has been in good form lately, but I just cannot wait to watch it and, and commentate on it. That's the, 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 the overlying sort of opinion on the game I think is incredible. It's one of the great matchups in the history of the game. And after all these years, it's been renewed.
3: OK, well, Jimmy, listen, we'll talk more about that match and what it means to both of you in just a sec. But first, I want to talk to you about Stephen. Can, can you actually remember the first time you played? Can you remember what you thought of him when he came onto the scene?
2: I played him in a, I played him in a few exhibitions when he was a young lad, he was about 14, 15. I think I played him in uh, Lang Supreme, Scottish Masters, and um, we knew then that he was, you know, going to be an outstanding player because he was such a great potter, and you know, got so 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 much self-belief in his in his potting, which is is his strong, which is his strong part of his game. And then we all sort of realised when he lost to Willie Thorne. I think he lost 10-8 to Willie Thorne in the first round of. One of the world championships that we knew that you know he would have been about for a long time, and you know, I had some tremendous battles with him. Obviously, I lost four times to him in the world championships, one where I was um, well in front, and uh, he'd come back at me, another one where I twitched on the black. you know, them two times I had my best chance to have won the world championships, and the other two times, he slaughtered me, and I did beat him in a, a first round and a second round once at the Crucible Theatre. But, you know, even now, I, I've gone and practised with him and we're driving back from where we was playing. And I said to Kevin, I said, can you believe his concentration? You know, even now he's trying to get back in. He didn't play in many, many matches this year. I'm sure he's going to play in all of them next year. But, you know, he's, his desire has not changed. Obviously, Um He's uh, Hopefully he doesn't play very well on Monday and uh, I'll come out victorious.
3: Mm. That It's interesting you mentioned some of your previous meetings at the Crucible. I remember your second round match. It was way back in 1988 and the second session was a Saturday morning. And you, I I watched it. I think it went all the way up to lunchtime because it went to the decider. You won it 13-12. I was still in my pyjamas when that one finished. But I remember that incredible red you took down the rail to eventually you potted it and then went on to win the frame from it. And you talked a lot about the finals as well, Jimmy. Um. Obviously, your preparation is so much better than it was ever in the nineties. I imagine. Do, do those defeats you talked about? Do they give you extra motivation for Monday?
2: Yeah, of course. You know. You know. I, I obviously, whoever's in that seat. You know, with me trying to fight for my tour card, but I found a bit of form in Gibraltar and then the next tournament after. But I've been playing well for quite some time. But you know, unless you're doing it on the match table, it's absolutely irrelevant. So, you know, I've, I've got a lot of confidence. It's. You know, it's course I want to, you know, if I had to beat him 10 times in a row, I still wouldn't get um, revenge on all them world finals because it's not a world final. But I'm just pleased Eurosport are showing it live. Mm. And so all the snooker fans will get to see it. Uh,
3: Foster, do you think those previous meetings come into
0: play at all from a mental perspective for either player? I'm not sure if previous matches are going to mean anything. I think Jimmy's right to mention the fact that, you know, okay, lost in four world finals to Stephen hendry That's what everyone remembers, but there are plenty of other occasions, not only at the Crucible, but other places where, you know, that he's beaten him and his his record against, against Stephen Hendry is pretty good. You know, and I just want to make the point that as you get older, I think things change, you know, and Stephen was pretty fearless. Jimmy was pretty fearless and they're both in their fifties now. And, um, it's a totally different ball game when they play. So there'll be a lot of nerves around, understandably. And I think the, the best part of it is it is very difficult to be sure who will win. And the bookmakers aren't even that sure either. Jimmy's a slight favourite, but not much of a favourite. So it really is one of those where you don't. It's like watching two boxers and you think, well, he could knock him out. He could knock him out. You know, they're the best fights, aren't they? And this is a bit like that on the snooker table.
3: Jimmy, I know, of course, you've both been practising together as well. I I would imagine that's all stopped now. How how was practice? How close was it? Tell me a bit about how you were both playing in that.
2: Well, it doesn't really matter. It was it was good practice. We both enjoyed it. We had um we played about five or six times. I went to his place, he went to my place, and uh, you know, we both got a lot out of the practice. It was it was good stuff and uh, after this world championships is finished and when the new uh tour starts next year, I'll hopefully doing a lot more practice
3: with it. Will you approach this game any different, Jimmy, because of who you're playing?
2: oh not um no, not really, because you know, listen, I've got hundred percent respect for Stephen Hendry. You know, there's um you know his focus and concentration for me is the best there's ever been. And uh you know I've got to be giving it 100% which I am you know I'm practicing all the time and practicing is going really well I'm playing Michael White this morning I'm, he's come from Wales I'm playing him for a couple of days two best of 19s you know I'm, I'm playing really well in practice you know so hopefully it all goes well and I produce that on Monday
3: I've got I've got to ask you this question I don't want to ask you this question but I've got to anyway um, there's talk that if you lose that you could be off the tour and I say you could be because there's every chance that Barry will give you another two-season tour card. But is that on your mind at all, Jimmy? Just how important this game is?
2: Well, going into Gibraltar, um, I realised that you know my situation it was kept coming to a head. You know, and I, I had a talk with people around myself and said, you know, like if I don't start producing, I'm not even going to have a chance to stay on. And lucky enough, uh, against Joe O'Connor. I found a little bit of form, and um, I managed to win that match. And since that actual day, my game has been a lot stronger, and uh, I've put myself in a good position where I can stay on without asking for a wild card. Now, if it come, the worst comes to the worst, I would go to Q School, you know, because um, you know I still love playing, I still play to a good standard. But uh, as I said before, earlier on in this uh, podcast. But doing it in practice doesn't mean anything. You know, you've got to produce it on the match table. And I'm starting to do that in, in sort of bits and pieces. And hopefully, you know, if I can take the form from the practice table into these tournaments, any one of these tournaments, I can win one because I am playing that well. So I'm just focusing on that. The wild card situation, if I win, that'll take care of itself. If I don't, if I don't get offered the wild card, I'll go to Q school. You
3: know, I'm not, um, you know, it's far from over for me. Uh, Neil, I suppose as match go, it's probably the most fascinating first-round match in the history of Snooker. It's got so much riding on it. We've just talked about Jimmy possibly falling off the tour if Stephen beats him. Um, Stephen's only recently come out of retirement. Um, and from that, we've only watched him play one match, and that was against Matt Sell. He lost 4-1. He did knock in a ton. So we don't really know where Stephen's game is at at the moment. Do you think subconsciously that Stephen's going to be raising his game because of? who his opponent is. Do you think we're going to see maybe a different Stephen Hendry against Jimmy than we would do against any other first-round opponent?
0: Yeah, very likely. I mean, one thing we know about Stephen is that, you know, he is the snookering animal of all animals. You know, he will, as much as he's got great respect for Jimmy and he, he, he wouldn't want to knock, potentially knock Jimmy off the tour without going into that again, he would do it because he didn't win all those world titles by not being absolutely hard as nails. What I find very interesting about this matchup, right, is this. Basically, you can break this down. You can say this match is transcends the sport. It's everything that people watch. It. Or you can go in there and say, listen, I'm just going to be knocking some balls around the table in the pocket. You know, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You've got to play the table and all that. Is it possible to do that in this match? Or is it too big for anyone to just turn up, pop balls, shake hands, just another day? I, I think it's going to be tough for both of these guys to do that. You know, um, and, and that's the interesting point of it to me.
3: Okay. And um, just finally, you mentioned you are in the commentary box. Did you have to beg to get in for this one? Because it's going to be such a great game. I
0: did, actually. I had to ask if I could be involved in it. And uh, At the time, I don't know who was doing what session. And I said, I wouldn't mind having a go at it. So uh, thankfully, I'm involved. I think we're all doing a bit of that match anyway. Obviously, yeah, there's Dave Hendon and there's Joe Johnson and Phillips. And I think we're all sharing, uh, divvying it up between us. So it should be very interesting. And listen, good luck to both these guys. I, I love working with both of them. And I Genuinely, um, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm here with you know, speaking with Jimmy now, but I, I just hope they both play well. I, I don't mind wins. I hope it's a great game. I mean that as well.
3: Yeah, well, I have to remain unbiased as well, but I hope Jimmy absolutely smashes him six 0 Uh, One thing's for sure, it's going to be a match not to be missed. You can, of course, catch all the action exclusively live on Eurosport.co.uk and the Eurosport app. Uh, That's it for now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Break. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast on your platform of choice if you can. We'd love you for it. And don't forget, of course, it's Eurosport.co.uk and the Eurosport app to watch live and exclusive coverage of the World Championship qualifiers from Monday, the 5th of April to Wednesday, the 14th of April. We are back on the break in a week's time and we'll be joined by the defending champion of the world, the Rocket, Ronnie O'Sullivan. But from Neil, from Jimmy and myself, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Goodbye. And we'll speak to you again real soon.